0: Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome to Self-Improvement Atlas, the personal science inside podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of Life Management Science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host Aditi Kutti, let's get on with the show. Tony Simons, welcome to the show, it's such a pleasure to have you. Good to be here. Uh, now, you are a Lewis G. Shaneman Jr. Professor of Innovation and Dynamic Management at Cornell University. You've been at Cornell for 30 years. Can you tell me a bit more about what you do over there, what, your, um, kind of what you teach and what your specialty is?
1: Sure. Uh, I teach leadership skills, interpersonal skills. I teach negotiation. Uh, my research focuses on credibility and leadership. And uh, I'm also working on a framework for excellent teamwork where you draw on diversity, debate and trust uh, to create extraordinary performance.
0: And, and you, you teach as well outside of Cornell, don't you?
1: Well, um, there's, my course, there's the courses that I teach at Cornell. And then also as a sideline, I teach people how to walk across hot coals uh, in a one evening workshop. Um, it's an empowerment workshop and uh, makes people feel superhuman. And uh, uh, it's really ironic that it's perhaps the most powerful teaching tool that I've encountered, and yet so many people don't want to get anywhere near it. And I can kind of understand that. I thought of it as super macho and weird before I actually did it. Um, But uh, it's not at all about that. It's a profound learning experience uh, that teaches through the body uh, as much as through the mind
0: so literally walking on hot coals yeah oh my god that that's really cool what what was your kind of first experience with that what did you i'm really curious what did you learn from that
1: so i had signed up uh to take a weekend workshop uh that was called a BHAG workshop which is short for big hairy audacious goals it's a jim collins term and it was run by a personal development group that i knew out of chicago and and was familiar with their work And as I'm signing up at the retreat center that is outside of Milwaukee, um, the volunteer at the sign-in thing is like saying, wait till you hear what we got planned for you for the first night. And he wouldn't tell me. And it turns out that they had brought in someone from outside to lead everybody through a workshop very similar to what I'm trained to do and, and what I deliver. It's a series of exercises, all of them optional, ranging from Breaking boards to trust fall off a ladder, um, to breaking an arrow, and that leads you towards being ready to walk uh, barefoot across hot coals without getting hurt.
0: Damn, damn! I and, feel like, and
1: it's it, it's not magic. It it comes down to the technology and the practice. Uh, I mean, it it's all about weight distribution, but it's really uh, the learning is about. How do you face something that's really scary and clear your mind and relax your body and choose mm-hmm. whether to move forward or not, how to, how to conduct yourself? Mm-hmm. And so, it, so by the end of it, people have more of a sense of their personal courage because that's what courage is. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the decision that there's something else more important than your fear. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's super cool, and I feel like we've learned so much about you just from that already. But we do have a segment. <laughs> we do have a segment called "Have You Met Tony Simons," um, in which I ask you a couple of quick questions, and you just have to answer the first, first thing that comes to your head. Are you happy to answer them? Sure. What is your favorite book?
1: What's my favorite book? It changes. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, right now, what's on my pile is I'm, I'm looking at, at Amy Edmondson's work on teamwork and, and, uh, uh, trying to understand better her approach on that. Uh, that's, that's what I'm focusing on right now. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't really have a single book that I keep going back to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I love, the Dalai Lama. I love. Um, I'm. I'm a Sufi, and I love some of the Sufi literature. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, right. Right now, I can just tell you what's on my pile. Yeah. <laughs> I also think Granny yeah, Brown can... is terrific, and she's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, oh, she's, she's she's a favorite, I think, on um, our podcast. Brene Brown and um, Lord of the Rings. Those two, they, they get brought up quite a lot um, on the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about a favorite movie? Or if you don't have a favorite movie, the last movie that you
1: watched. Hmm. Favorite movie? Uh, what's popping into my mind is Life of Pi. <laughs> It's a pretty good movie.
0: Yeah, for sure, that's a classic. That's um, a good one. What about um, a podcast that you've been listening to?
1: Um, I've been listening, uh, well, let's see, a a few. Um, I love The Moth, uh, storytelling, and This American Life. Um, And uh, I've also been listening to Pod Save America, um, it's a political podcast that helps me feel less bleak about the very weird situation that we find ourselves in.
0: I've listened to Pod Save America. I feel like they just lay things out um, in a way that's just easy to negotiate with. Like, There's just so much information out there and it just kind of lays it out in a way that's just easy to take in and you don't have to... Uh-huh. I don't know, stress out too much. Um, Hopefully something that we're going to do today with our episode as well. Um, Do you have a famous role model that you've looked up to? Not
1: one person coming to mind on that. Sorry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. All good. All good. You did mention the Dalai Lama and Brene Brown earlier. So we'll, we'll count those. <laughs> we'll count them.
1: <laughs> to the extent that I can emulate either of those, to whatever extent, that's great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and what is the last course that you completed?
1: Teaching or taking? Taking. Taking. Oh, Ed, that it's been a while since I signed up for a course. Uh, you know, the, to be honest, probably the last one that I completed would have been something like the university's mandated anti-harassment sessions that everybody has to do and right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs>
0: For sure, for sure. All right, I think that counts. I think I think we can count that as an answer. <laughs> uh, but that's that brings us to the end of that segment. Um, our audience has now gotten to know you. Um, we're all best friends. Oh my friends, god, you can and... do such a
1: better job of getting to know me just through the conversation. <laughs> but anyway, it's all good. You'll it's get to good. know me through the hour, I imagine.
0: Uh, absolutely, we, we so will. Um, but we are going to talk um, now on our episode about leadership integrity and capability. Um, I want to start big. Our podcast is about personal development. Um, so we always like to ask our guests, what does personal development mean to you?
1: Well, my personal life goal is to grow continually in my capacity for wisdom, service, and fun. And, um, and so personal development is kind of all of that. And, uh, And I think that that leadership development is personal development. If you're going to become a good leader, you need to master yourself. You need to know yourself and you need to be able to manage yourself before you can even think about managing other people. Um, People who can't manage themselves are terrible leaders. (laughs) Um, They'll be abusive. They'll be if you don't, if you can't recognize your emotions, then you can't control what you express. You're going to be controlled by your emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, so personal mastery, I would say, is is what that's about, and mm-hmm. uh, and so while you know I've taken a more academic route, and and I don't, I, I have taken several personal development courses. Um, the Hoffman training program uh, was a wonderful one, uh, sort of a, a a seven day deep dive into your own psyche. It was amazing, um, landmark. Um, you know, various other programs. Uh, <laughs> so I've, I've, I've taken several courses like that. And um, yeah, I'd say in some ways, it's what life is all about. Mm-hmm. You know, that- I also
0: really like your, when you, when you brought up, you know, in the service of fun, I feel like so many people forget how important fun is <laughs> to just kind of bettering yourself. I think we take it too seriously sometimes.
1: Yeah, I didn't say in the service of fun. I said wisdom, Mm -hmm. service, and fun.
0: Service Um, and fun. My bad, my bad.
1: In the sense that having fun and enjoying life is what refills the tank and supports you in doing service for others.
0: Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Um, What do you feel are the main challenges people face in attaining personal development or heading towards personal development?
1: Well... um, I think one of the biggest ones is courage. And, and that, that brings me back to that firewalk thing yeah. because mm-hmm. firewalk is all about courage. And courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the, the freedom to choose whether to or, or what to do with you when you fa- find fear, when you face fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it is scary to confront yourself. I think it can be scary to tell the truth. I think it can be, you know, there, there is an aspect of the unknown and of humility that is necessary in order to really inquire who one is. And I think that people often become frightened of that and often flinch in the face of that and back off of that because they want to preserve what they think they know. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, ironically, at the university, I've had several colleagues. I've been teaching these firewalks for over ten years now, and I've had several colleagues come, but only lecturers, not professors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in in the u s university system, it's kind of a, uh, a a two-tiered system, a caste system, and the lecturers do an awful lot of teaching, and they are wonderful professionals. and but the professors are the ones that do the research. And it's like what? Professors think they know reality too well to actually challenge themselves with a firewalk. I'm not sure exactly what it means but i but it's I, i've i've had around a dozen uh lecturers come to my fireworks, not a single professor yeah,
0: yeah something so something to think about something
1: holds them back from that <laughs> too crazy too threatening to their worldview something like that
0: yeah, yeah. Perhaps uh, the assumption of knowledge or having all the knowledge you needed, perhaps, is another something kind like of barrier. Something, something like, like that. Something like that. Yes. Yeah. Um, kind of going into our topic for today, I, again, starting a bit broadly, how do you define leadership?
1: Leadership is the ability to get your people to bring their whole self to their task. To, mm-hmm. to give it everything they've got. Um, and so that is, that requires trust. Uh, it requires being able to build and manage trust relationships with the people around you. Uh, it's about inspiration. It does entail the wisdom to choose a path and set a path, um, but mostly you can tell great leadership from the impact that it has on the followers. So you, when you find inspired followers, you know there's some extraordinary leadership happening. And it might not even be, it might be a structure rather than a person, conceivably. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, it's, you can tell where there is great leadership from where you see great followership. And it's its right. about being able to inspire and guide people and get them to bring everything they have to their work.
0: Mm-hmm. And you talked a bit about the connection between personal development um, and good leadership. C- can you Can you talk about, what that is in more detail? Um, sure. How does you know leadership affect personal development and vice versa?
1: Well, um, to be able to lead people, you need to know yourself. You need to understand yourself, and you need to develop some aspect of mastery. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in my courses. Um, I start off with a module about the self. I start off with getting people to recognize uh, how incredibly biased all of our perceptions are. Um, Sorry, you asked me to sit farther back and I was creeping forward on my camera. Um, uh, So recognizing how incredibly biased all our perceptions are because uh, perception is wired to reinforce what we already believe and expect. we the, the the common thread in most of the perceptual biases is confirmation, that that we try to to reinforce what we already believe and expect. Now, what that means ironically is that that especially in a university setting, everybody is actively resisting learning and growing mm-hmm. because our perceptions are trying to bring everything back to what we already know and understand. Yep. So we we start off by establishing that. Then we talk about how can you reprogram yourself? What are the ways in which you can reprogram yourself? Um, And then we say, okay, given this extraordinary subjectivity of everybody's perception and everybody's world, what's that say about communication? Huh? Communication is one of those weird things. Most things, when you start thinking about them, they seem complicated. And then when you study them a little bit, it's like, oh, okay, this is really simple. Communication works the other way around. You start off assuming that it's really simple and obvious, and then you start to appreciate uh, the challenges and the inner narratives that everybody is playing, and you start to recognize how extraordinarily difficult it is to communicate and that it's a miracle that any two people can be brought to share the same thing in their minds at any given point in time. Um, and you know, the key on that is humility and, uh, seeking and asking for paraphrases when the issue is important, uh, and, or when there's a reason to expect it to be misunderstood. So it's not like it's a, it's rocket science in terms of how do you do it, but you start off by establishing the challenges of communication. And then you start looking at, uh, how, you know, at, at groups and the norms and the, uh, that, that emerge. Um, partly deliberately, but often spontaneously, right? The second time, third time someone shows up late to your group meeting and it's a non-issue, guess what? You now have a norm that says it's okay to do that. Uh, there's a bunch of things like, you know, so, you, so then you start looking at norms and how you manage norms and uh, and and how do you get a group together? Um, you know, how does the group handle conflict? How do you handle conflict? Uh, and And all of this feeds into How do you become a better leader and how can you ultimately create a culture? How can you build and sustain a culture? And at that point, you're looking at the symbolic communication of everything, the symbolic communication of everything that you do, the way you carry yourself, the symbolic communication of, um, the office layout, the, the way the buildings are designed, all that stuff. So, so that's basically the terrain that I would teach in a leadership class. When Mm -hmm. I do a a negotiations class, that's a different process. Um, The negotiations course is hands-on, and every week, the students engage in a negotiation. And the negotiations are designed to challenge people. Um, The overall conceptual framework for the negotiations class is recognition that negotiation is a process that is both competitive and cooperative because you have a pie that you need to divide up and you're gonna be playing a game about how you divide up that pie. And so you're gonna be bluffing each other a little bit and you're gonna be trying to persuade the other person to give you more of what you want, whether it's a lower price or a higher price, depending on what your position is. Uh, And then there's the cooperative aspect, which is how do you make the pie bigger? And that's about listening. And it's about collaborative problem solving. And fundamentally, that's about trust. So trust plays a really key role in both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, the conceptual framework is really quite simple, but putting it in practice is harder. So people spend the entire semester figuring out how to put it into practice and trying in these series of challenges, each of which is designed to make you make some mistakes. And um, yeah, for some students, it's, it's a course in how to be assertive. For some students, it's a course in how to listen. For some students, I mean, different students take it in different directions, and it's lovely mm-hmm. to see how much they grow through that. Uh, and likewise, I mean, it's the same thing with with when I teach the leadership course. Um, I've had several students come up to me during this past semester and tell me how, you know, they're applying the tools in their real life, because I, I, I do a session on stress management. I do a stress session on how do you plan difficult conversations, and they're like, I used that one with my parents, and it was wonderful. <laughs> so. I, I, I love seeing students grow. That's, that's what I'm in it for.
0: I love that they're taking away, I guess, is strategies designed for, like, business leadership in a business setting, um, but using it at home, uh, and, and it works effectively for them. I, I think that's so great.
1: Yeah, well, and they need to build on, I mean, if it's interpersonal skills, you need to build on what they already know. You need to build on what, what they already are engaging with. So, for instance, the concept of I, I asked the students as uh, for the course to collect video clips um from media where people are demonstrating some of the concepts that we're talking about. One of the concepts is called emotional labor, right? That's where you need to pretend because you're a professional job, you need to pretend emotions that you might or might not be feeling, right? That that, you know, you're at a fancy restaurant or a fancy hotel. And your your staff there, you're going to be gracious, even if you despise the person in front of you. Right. Um, And a student brought in a clip that was from Zootopia, where someone who uh, basically the the hero of the story, who is a rabbit who wanted to become a policeman and can't get anyone to take her seriously because she's a rabbit Um, and and she has her first day at work. And it's terrible. and. She calls up her parents and needs to put on a big smiley face of how everything's going just great. And at first I was like, this doesn't really apply to the workplace. And then I looked around the room and I'm like, how many of you guys feel pressure to tell your parents that everything is great when it's really not? And like half the hands went up. So I'm like, "Okay, this is a good demonstration of emotional labor. So we'll we'll keep this one. Um, So, yeah, I, I, I like to help people connect the work to what's in their lives
0: yeah yeah for sure um i also you know we do we are talking about integrity and credibility um in this episode what how do you define those things are they the same integrity and credibility are they the same thing
1: no No. um Yeah, I've spent the last 20 years studying integrity and credibility <laughs> uh, and, and uh, uh, developed a, a, a construct, which is an idea in the research space, uh, which is the term behavioral integrity, which is the perceived alignment between someone's words and their actions. To what extent do you think that this person lives by their word? To what extent do they keep their promises? To what extent do they show the same values that they talk about? Um, and it's not the same thing as actually showing the same values that you talk about and, and keeping your promises because mm-hmm. the payoffs are all social. So what matters is to what extent are people seeing it. Now, you can't completely bluff it over time. People will botch you and, and you can't pretend integrity. It just doesn't work over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, uh, but you need to manage it as a leader Managing your credibility has to be job one, because if the first thing they think when you speak is, does this person really mean it? You have lost your ability to lead. You've lost your ability to engage their hearts. You've lost their ability to win their trust. Um, yeah, you, you've blunted your most potent tool. So credibility is incredibly important for a leader and, and preserving your credibility is, has gotta be job one. Too many people are too cavalier about managing their credibility there's a million small ways in which we can undermine it uh so uh yeah so i wrote that book about it and i've been studying it uh it's wonderful in research studies because it it seems to work every time you take it out of the box uh, it's a huge driver of the bottom line uh the extent to which uh employees feel like their managers live by their word
0: yeah yeah and i guess what then is the effect on a company or a team or a group of a leader that doesn't have, um, that, that lacks that credibility.
1: Huh. Um, yeah. Uh, paralysis, I would say. I mean, it, it's, you know, think about the bosses that you've had. Think about the bosses that you've had who you didn't like or the bosses you had who you uh, didn't respect for one reason or another. Uh, it's especially infuriating when they talk about company values that you know that they're not demonstrating. Um, that's just infuriating. Um, I, I really don't think anything works in the complete absence of, of credibility or integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, when you asked me to define them, there's also moral integrity, and that's a different issue. Right? Moral right. integrity is about the extent to which uh, someone adheres to accepted moral values. That's a different mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. I, I just focus on alignment, right? And right. the truth and... is, though, if you focus on your alignment, you are going to discover a whole lot of things about yourself. It's it's mm-hmm. like that's one of the ways really into deep personal exploration. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. There was a question about, I guess, moral integrity a little bit right, later, so we can dive into that then. I guess what what can we do to build um our credibility as a leader
1: what can we do to build our credibility as a leader um one of the first things to do is to start asking about it um mm-hmm. there is i i can i can offer uh, you know an aspect of a survey right most people in their employee surveys they're like how happy are you i'm i ask questions like when your boss says something's going to happen how how sure are you that it's actually gonna happen? Um, and to what extent are you comfortable having this person make decisions that will affect your life? Uh, mm-hmm. So that's a trust question, not an integrity question. Uh, so right. I, I like to ask deeper questions. Uh, there's also uh, a set of questions you can ask um, in an interview format, just asking people about what promises have I made that I might not have, have followed through on? Uh, you know, How mm-hmm. is my follow through on promises? Um, and, and you can learn important things. Uh, I remember one time um, asking that of my then wife, and she pointed out a bunch of repairs that I had said that I would do and then had never gotten to over years. And one can laugh about that, but you know what? That was undermining my credibility with someone who was incredibly important to me mm-hmm. and thereby undermining the trust and therefore the whole relationship. So, oh my gosh, that's a big deal. So, um, yeah, you can you know, one of the things is to recognize that all of us think that we're good at it and we're not necessarily. So, so step one, start asking about it. Uh, you know, ask, ask how well you follow through, ask how well you demonstrate the values that you're talking about. Um, you know, if if you're a leader, if you're a parent, if you're whatever, uh, just open that conversation and start looking at ways that you can, uh, uh, patch that up and, and, uh, Uh, behave in better alignment, uh, clean up the messes that will inevitably happen. Uh, Sometimes it means promising less. Sometimes it means, oh, you know what? If this is the value that I keep talking about, but I keep violating it, maybe it's not really my value. Um, That someone who works with the Dalai Lama once uh, uh, brought me out to a conference because he wanted me to uh, talk to him about how do you measure integrity. I said, great. What do you mean by integrity?" He said, I want to know, to what extent does someone live by their values? I said, 100%. What's the next question? Mm. And he's like, no, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm like, do you want to know, to what extent do they live by the things they think they value? That's about self-awareness. To what extent mm-hmm. do they live by the things they say they value? That's more like behavioral integrity, right? To what extent, you know, I mean, what what are you asking for? Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess I went off on a tangent there.
0: No, I think that was fantastic. Um, I. I guess my question is, now that they've kind of asked the questions um, and hopefully the right questions, from (laughs) (laughs) from there, where where do they go um, in kind of building that credibility? They're assessing their values. How can they communicate the promises they make to their team in a way that their team can kind of will take seriously and should there be room in those in that promise to be held accountable by their team?
1: Well, I think the first step would have to be clean up any messes that were there before. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the book, uh, The Integrity Dividend, Leading by the Power of Your Word. Uh you didn't mention it in the introduction, but it's uh, I wrote published that two thousand eight, Jossie Bass. It's available on Amazon.us. I don't know that it's available globally. Um but uh uh, that includes a lot of different practices fundamentally it comes down to looking at at where are your own pitfalls is it about fuzzy communication because if someone if you communicate in a fuzzy way and someone thinks that you broke a promise it doesn't matter that you didn't actually break the promise so you need to you, you need to look at how you communicate and and how clearly you request commitments and how clearly you make commitments you need to look at uh, you know, what is your particular pitfall? I sometimes get disorganized. The most mm-hmm. critical thing that I can do to manage my credibility is have a single book or, or or piece of software, which is where I'm putting all of my commitments and all of my to-dos. To be mm-hmm. honest, I only sometimes really do that. But when I really wanna manage my integrity, I will make sure that there is a particular place that all of these things go into. Um, so you know what, what? are your knee-jerk responses? What are the ways in which you go out? So I would say learning more about this and learning what more of the pitfalls, uh, what what more of the pitfalls might be, is critical. You you need to look at yeah. at uh, you know are, are you someone who gets drawn into the flavor of the month in terms of the latest personal development uh, approach or latest management fad? If so, you know what. That might be the way you undermine your credibility. Um, you know, Are you someone who over promises? That might be the way you undermine your credibility. Are you someone who uh, goes on automatic when the person in front of you is weeping or in distress? Aha, uh-huh, okay, guess what? That's a way that you undermine your credibility. Um, uh-huh. Most people can get better with their credibility just by saying no more often, uh, by practicing saying no, and perhaps by reflecting very soberly before you make a commitment. That is, mm-hmm. think before you make a commitment, take several breaths and think about, can I really guarantee the delivery of this commitment? And if so, is this a commitment that I want to make, given the other commitments that I have on my plate and that I'm really committed to, right? So mm-hmm. so do I really want to, and can I really guarantee it? And. It might be, if you can't guarantee it, it might be that the best you can do is say, you know what, I need to see how this other project is going uh, before I decide whether I will be able to get you this thing on Friday, whatever it might be. So let me talk to you on Wednesday. I'll I'll get back to you on Wednesday, and we'll see whether I'm on track to give it to you on Friday. Mm -hmm. Right. So there are various different techniques uh, based on what someone's pet pitfall might be
0: yeah yeah and i think that you know um managing your commitments or at least taking a step back and assessing them so that you make promises accordingly it kind of goes down to that boundary setting which i think once you learn how to do Uh as a leader um you start to you start to respect when your employees need to do the same thing as well it kind of just puts everyone on the same page and allows for that to happen
1: Yes, when you ask, when you as a leader ask someone to do something, you need to make sure that you have given them permission to say no or to negotiate it. Because a yes from someone who doesn't have permission to say no is meaningless. So you support Mm -hmm. other people's integrity by asking whether they could get this done and what would it take? And really standing there and listening and not doing this as a drive by, oh, by the way, this is going to get done. See ya. Right? (laughs) You can't do that. It, it it affects the way you ask for things. It affects the way you make commitments. Um, there's a whole lot that goes into that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, you said that um, there's no real way to measure integrity. Is there I a way to that. measure? <laughs> oh, what, when, what was it ex- when when you were asked at the conference?
1: When he said, I want to know how to measure integrity, I said, what do you mean? He said, I want to know to, to what extent does someone live by their values? I said, 100%. Ah, uh,
0: yeah. Yep, 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 There is a yep. way to
1: measure it, and it's like what someone does, if you behave in a certain way and you talk about values that are in conflict with it, I'm mm-hmm. going to say that you value the value that is implicit in your behavior rather than the one you're talking about.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's my personal okay.
1: judgment about people.
0: Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Is there also a way if integrity and credibility are different? Is there also a way to measure credibility? And I'm assuming that that's something as a leader you would want to measure if you're trying to to build that.
1: Well, I ask about behavioral integrity, which is those a set of questions about to what extent does your boss keep promises? To mm-hmm. what and, and and a set of questions about to what extent does your boss talk about the same values that he or she talks that. Mm-hmm. Uh, demonstrate the same values that he or she talks about Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now you know it's still a bit of a question how broad is the perception of integrity that is can i say Mm -hmm. that my boss has integrity when he talks about the importance of customer service but doesn't have integrity when he talks about the importance of the of the workers Mm -hmm. or do i just kind of combine them my intuition is that i just kind of combine them but it may be you know, the, the, there are still sort of, um, like when you talk about corporate values, there might, there probably are some values that it matters when you violate them and some that it matters way less, right? Mm-hmm. If I care a whole lot about this value that my boss talks about and then I see the boss violating it, it's going to drive me nuts. If I don't care that much about that particular value, it's not going to affect me so much. And frankly, I probably wouldn't even notice if it's violated. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, you can you can measure it with survey instruments. Um, credibility is you know people talk about it's a term that's used more in the marketing literature, and people talk about source credibility and and testimonials for a product, for example. Uh, and there you want to know about uh, does this uh, this speaker know what they're talking about, and are they motivated to deceive me in some fashion? Um, <laughs> which is the part that everyone ignores when they look at an athlete promoting a product. But anyway, uh, those, those things would combine in terms of, of determining source credibility. Uh, when you talk about leader credibility, it really comes down to, um, I think it comes mostly down to behavioral integrity. To, right. to what extent does this person follow through on their promises? Uh, is this someone who, when they speak, it's as good as gold? When they make a promise, I know that it's done. Um, you know, I've had bosses who were wonderful human beings and through no fault. Well, I could say it's through a fault of their own, but, uh, they, you know, it's like I trusted them. I liked them. Um, but they would make promises that they wouldn't follow through on. They'd say something was important and then you would never hear from them. Uh, they'd say we should have lunch and then you would never hear from them. And, and as a leader, you just need to manage that. (laughs) You you just if you're limited in terms of how many people you can have lunch with, then for gosh sakes, be limited in how many people you say you're going to have lunch with because people notice. And while, Mm -hmm. you, you know, while you're having a zillion different interactions, it's probably one of the most important interactions that any of your workers has in a given day. If they're interacting with the CEO, if they're interacting with the department head, whatever it might be. So you need to be super careful about um not letting things slip, about writing things down as soon as you say them. Mm-hmm. Uh, about putting, I, I, I had a, um, I ran into a colleague one time um, that uh, he, had, he had retired. He had been, he was someone who had been very important to me earlier in my life in, in, as a, when I was a junior faculty member. And, uh, and I ran into him and I said, hey, let's have lunch together. And he responded with something like, yeah, we'll see if it happens. And I was really kind of taken aback. It was a little bit insulting. And then then a few months passed and I realized we hadn't done it. And what came clear to me was that I'm a busy guy. And if I say let's have lunch together and I don't have my phone in my hand to enter that appointment to make an appointment and make it happen, it ain't going to happen. And it wasn't (laughs) like I was intending to lie, but I wasn't doing what it took to make that a reality. Yeah. So then I yeah. ran into the guy again. I had put my phone in my hand. I said, let's have lunch. Let's make an appointment. We had an appointment. It was great. Right. But um, yeah, So yeah, we just yeah, need to trouble. be. It's about bringing more mindfulness to some stuff that we can be thoughtless about and mm-hmm. recognizing that we have to manage our most precious commodity, which is our credibility as a leader.
0: Hmm. Now, final, I guess, question in the segment. Um, we talked, to, you, you mentioned moral integrity earlier. Uh-huh. How is that linked with behavioral integrity? Um, is it linked at all? Um, what, what What is the relationship between the two?
1: They are definitely linked. Um, telling the truth is a tenet of most moral frames. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... Uh, but they are not identical and and in fact uh studies have shown measuring behavioral integrity and moral integrity they both predict unique variants in trust that both of them drive trust um and and they both drive outcomes they both are important in leadership uh they're not the same thing
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right uh we might move on um from that segment uh and try and put some of what we've discussed into practice. Um, your, I know that your book, um, The Integrity Dividend, has quite a few kind of habits and practices uh, that you, you mentioned that you want to look into. Uh, but to pick one, what is a practice that you perhaps have done in your personal life to improve your leadership, integrity and capability skills?
1: Well, I think that sober reflection uh, process is really important. Uh, mm-hmm. It's important not to make commitments automatically. And I, I, I mentioned before, I'll, I'll credit him again, this guy named Robert Gass, who is a personal development guy. You, if you can get him on your podcast, it would be amazing. Um, but uh, he he did some work that where he had independently um, come to a similar place that I had in recognizing that aspect of credibility. And he, he established that, just that idea that before you commit, you soberly reflect and you ask yourself those two questions of, can I guarantee it? Do I want to, given my, my full spread of commitments? And, and adding in the option of um, uh, committing to commit. That is to say, your, your options are not just yes or no, But another option is, I'd like to, I'm not sure if I can, here's when I will be able to know when I can make this commitment or not. Uh, So I I would say that would be a a good, clean place to start.
0: Yeah, and I I think that third option is better than a maybe. It it feels, maybe feels like it's not gonna happen. It almost feels like a no, a lot of the time. But when you say, I'm not sure about it right now, but I am going to revisit this um, in in this amount of time it kind of puts a deadline on you. It kind of holds you accountable. and allows you to hold yourself accountable to that as well.
1: Yeah, and a problem with the maybe <clears throat> is that, remember I was talking about perceptual bias. If someone wants to hear a yes, they will hear a yes in the maybe. And, and in fact, uh, one of the ways in which people blow their credibility, especially middle managers, is middle managers don't like to acknowledge to their subordinates the limits of their power. So, in general, right? So, uh, you know, the, the middle manager who says to their subordinate, I'll try to get you that raise, knowing that they don't have the final authority to determine the raise, right? They're going to propose it, and someone else is going to make that decision, that the subordinate who hears that, hears it as a yes, and in turn feels betrayed if the raise doesn't materialize and learns to trust their boss less. And mm-hmm. once... Once trust in the boss is damaged, you've kind of damaged that worker. You're not going to get as good of a work out of that worker.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What are when, when, when you say those two questions um, that you ask yourself to... W- w- in making a commitment, how long does that process take? How long should we spend answering those questions?
1: Enough time that you can get yourself out of the heat of the moment. That is, mm-hmm. is, don't you don't want to be an automatic. Um, if you can shift gears well and really bring yourself to a place of sober reflection, that is, really dispassionately. Um, conceivably, one can get, get to the point where you just take a couple of breaths, close your eyes, and think about whether it works or not, and open them and say yes or no. But uh, some people are going to be more clumsy about that
0: yeah for sure what are three good things about this practice
1: (laughs) three good things about it Yeah. oh geez um you learn to you you are managing trust in in the relationships around you and and quite honestly um what i wish for everybody is that they are surrounded in the workplace and at home by people that they trust deeply and who see them deeply, who, who, who really recognize who they are and, and who trust them deeply. And so, um, because in my experience, that's the most effective business relationships and it's the most satisfying personal relationships. And And in my personal opinion, nothing else is worth the time. Um, but uh, but getting better at managing trust is incredibly important. So, that's a huge deal. Um, so, that's, that's I guess that's only one thing that's good about it, um, but I think it's a huge one. Uh, another thing is that I suppose it gets easier the more you practice it, just like any habit gets easier as you practice it. Um, and I would add that it's also fundamentally respectful. Of people, mm-hmm. to do that, yeah. um, to to think care, of, to to be very deliberate about the commitments you make, uh, to say no when you mean no, to say yes when you mean yes, um, that that I've heard um, when I interviewed the the CEO of of uh, Kelly Services, a, a huge office services company, um, and and he was talking about how salesmen only start to build their credibility when they start saying no. That mm-hmm. until they have said no, you don't know where they're, you know, you don't know anything about them. Once they say no, things start to move. That's when you recognize their limits.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are there any challenges with this practice? Earlier you mentioned- Oh my God, some lots people, of them. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned some people might get a bit clumsy about it, but I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot more to that.
1: We go on automatic about a whole lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so So know what are your knee-jerk responses. Know what are your your pitfalls, your personal uh, you know, the the overpromising thing is a huge pitfall that a lot of people will struggle with. Uh, the concern about not being liked is a big one, right? Will they like me if I say no? or do I need to say yes all the time in order to be liked? Um, you know, <laughs> there's, there's a lot, you know, different people will have different, uh, insecurities about it. Um, and, and we may have long-standing habits that get in the way of our credibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's about saying yes too often or, uh, not noticing your internal state. Uh, one of the personality dimensions is called self-monitoring. And that's about the extent to which someone um, is attentive to their internal state during social interactions, as opposed to the external cues. All of us in order to navigate through society have to do both. But what typically happens is that most of us become more adept at listening to one or the other. And that means we will often neglect to check the weak side when we're under pressure, when we're under stress. And that means, I, I, for instance, a friend of mine who was a very high self-monitor said, you know what, I can have lunch with somebody and it goes great and the other person is thrilled with the whole interaction and everything seemed to go great. And I don't even realize that I dislike that person intensely until after I'm out of the situation because mm-hmm. she was so focused on, on behaving appropriately during the conversation. Okay, you know what, that's an integrity challenge for her because that and 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 I I'm not morally condemning that person for having that personality trait but it means that she is very likely to make agreements in the moment that she later realizes are completely incongruent with her internal state with her emotions her desires her values mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. um so you know it, it's different people will have different challenges on that
0: yeah yeah for sure um I, I, it and the challenges I'm assuming, or mix of challenges, I should say, are probably very unique based on just who you are. Like I, like we talked about earlier, the perception, personal perceptions, biases, um,
1: that kind of thing. Uh, distinctive based on who you are, I don't want to say completely unique, because mm-hmm. I think there are some patterns, uh, and learning the patterns is helpful for understanding oneself.
0: Right. Okay. Gotcha. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, How do you think this practice impacts your personal life? And this can be within the workplace, but it could also be outside of it.
1: Um, I do believe that at this point, in fact, I know at this point, uh, my personal relationships are consistently high trust relationships. I don't spend time with people that I don't trust. Um, And, and, uh, And we talk through things when they come up, you know, and, and, uh, you know, there, there may be disagreements. Do do I say absolutely everything that's on my mind? No, (laughs) you know, not always. And, 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 but, but I will say that I have very high levels of trust, um, reciprocally in the relationships in my life. Uh, and that's very nourishing for me. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I and I don't think that uh, uh, credibility is all it takes to establish trust. There needs to be care and consideration and a bunch of other things. But uh, without that, you sort of don't get out of the starting gates. Yeah. If you can't count on someone's word, you don't know where they are.
0: And it can be something as basic as, you know, that example you were talking about earlier where um, you said you would meet up uh, with someone yeah. for lunch and then you just didn't end up making... The appointment, yeah, that is kind of a personal thing for so many people in your adult life. You're trying to navigate your relationships with other people. You want to make sure that you actually meet up with them when you say you will, and not kind of you know let's catch up and then nothing coming out of it. I think it's important.
1: And it's kind of a minor annoyance if that's just someone that you ran into, an acquaintance that that you used to know that you ran into, and then you forgot about. But if it's your boss that said, we're going to have lunch, and then it never happens, that might obsess you for a while. <laughs> yeah, sure. And it wouldn't have a positive effect on your work.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, based on your experience, do you have any other recommendations of a practice or a habit that you can combine with this?
1: Mm. Um. Uh, Another piece would be being very deliberate about the way that you ask for and give commitments because a fuzzy commitment is an invitation to a broken promise. And so, I mean, if if you ask for something to be done on Friday and the other person thinks done on Friday means 5 p.m. Friday and you think done on Friday means 8 a.m. Friday, then guess what? You're setting up for a train crash, right? I mean, it's just, it, it's not going to go well. So being very deliberate about what you're asking for, when it needs to be done, at what quality level are you asking for a rough draft or a polished thing at this time? Um, and and making sure that you give the other person the permission to say yes or no and to negotiate, um, that becomes, you know, that, that can go along with that. Uh, likewise, being, you know, thinking well, so I, and that goes nicely with the being very deliberate about the promises that you make. So being very deliberate about the promises that you ask, um being very deliberate about acknowledging the limits of your authority if if your authority is limited, recognizing that people will hear your commitments, people will hear what they want to hear. So if you, as a middle manager, uh, can only offer, I will nominate your name for a raise, but I don't get to make the final decision. You need to hammer them over the head with the uncertainty of that. You need to mm-hmm. make it really clear that you're not... Ma- the promise you're making is I will try, but please don't hear that as the as the raise will happen, right? I mean, you just need yeah. to be really clear. I'm going to do my best, but I cannot promise it because I, I don't always get my way. Right. And yeah. the truth is most people's egos don't let... It's like they don't want to acknowledge that they don't always get their way. They don't want to acknowledge the limits of their authority. Uh But um, yeah, Uh, I mean, there's also, gosh, another challenge that's often faced is um, the middle, I call it the middle manager's dilemma, which is as a middle manager, sometimes you need to enforce and even sell policies you don't think are a good idea or decisions you don't think are a good idea, but you don't get to say that. So how yeah. do you manage your credibility in the face of that? And that's a scary one because the senior executives that I talked to about that were like, oh, that never happens in my companies. And then you talk to middle managers and they're like, let me tell you about the what happened last week. It's a constant deal for middle managers. I, I was kind of heartbroken that, broken that I couldn't come up with a, a real simple way to solve that one. Um, there are, you know, in the book, I talk about a few things that you can put in pr- into practice that kind of make a difference, but it's not a solved problem by any stretch. It's just sort of like recognize it and start to, uh, you know, you, you need to equip your middle managers for how to sell the policy. Uh, you need to, you know, the, the middle manager needs to think about what are the positive aspects of this and how can I talk about those in a way that still feels honest, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a tough one, but at least being kind of aware of it it is a first step almost. That's right.
1: Absolutely yeah. it is. And, and it's not mm-hmm. even an almost, it is. Uh, and, and frankly, just recognizing that your credibility as a leader is your most important asset and that you need to be super careful about it. Mm-hmm. That, that one piece of awareness is huge and it makes yeah. a difference. Yeah.
0: Well, that's a great point to end the segment on. Um, and we might move on. We've got a couple of questions from the audience. Are so you happy to answer them? Sure, sure. Um, I guess the question is, what role does transparency play um, in leadership integrity? And how do leaders ensure that they're transparent in their dealings? We talked about this a little bit, I think, over the episode so far.
1: Um, leaders... I, I don't come down on the side of radical transparency. Leaders need to be deliberate about what they share and what they don't share. Mm-hmm. Likewise, um, they need to be deliberate about acknowledging their own vulnerability, because vulnerability builds trust. And yet, if you go overboard, you share vulnerability about the wrong things, you will actually end up undermining trust. So you need to be very deliberate and selective about uh, where you're, you know, where your uh, your um, about where you're acknowledging vulnerability mm-hmm. and uh, and I think about where you're being fully transparent, and perhaps what you need to do is acknowledge the things that you can't say. Just say, I can't talk about these particular issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's what I can talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and uh, so I think that's especially true when you're asking people to take a chance because when you're because, Part of leadership is as people are if you 're asking people to do their best, that means you 're asking them to take a chance if you 're asking them to do something new, that means you 're asking them to take a big chance right um, so so when you 're doing that, you need to be realistic about how things play out um, but I think you also need to be strategic about what you communicate and when, and I do not personally think there is um, I don't think you need to share everything, you know, in negotiations, you can't, you, you, you don't need to share everything, nor should you, um, and yet you need to manage trust constantly because trust is the key to good integrative bargaining. Trust is the key to negotiating in a way that preserves the relationship and even enhances the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, so I I would say on transparency, uh, it's in general a really good idea and you need to be careful about some aspects of it Um, and and probably be mindful about gratuitous secrecy is not real constructive. Um, But you're also navigating within cultural norms. So for instance, uh, salary transparency, different parts of the world vary tremendously about how much salary transparency is okay. Yeah. A a taxi driver in Thailand asked me what my income is. (laughs) It's like different norms, guys.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, Another question. And I think this one is about leadership in general as opposed to integrity specifically. Okay. Why do potential good leaders shy away from rising to the level of leadership?
1: Why do potential good leaders shy away from stepping into leadership? Yeah. I think that that can be a failure of courage. And I think it can also be a reflection on what leadership means in the context that they're in. Because if the leadership ranks are occupied by a bunch of bullies, then I don't wanna play with them. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, makes sense. (laughs) And there are a fair number of bullies and jerks in leadership. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, not, not everyone in leadership positions are good leaders.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you, and this is a follow-up question, not an audience question, um, I wanted to specify, how, how do you deal with bullies, um,
1: bully, <laughs> bully leaders? Uh, how do you deal with bully leaders? Uh, are you their subordinate? <laughs> <laughs> if you're their subordinate, keep your head low and, and, and look for another job. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, there isn't a real good answer on that. Um, you know, I've, I've worked for some people that I considered bullies, uh, and I endured it. Um, and, and, uh, I kept things clean in my particular, I, I stayed in my lane. It's like, you know what, if you're working for someone like that, it doesn't serve you very well to, um to piss them off <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet you got to be true to yourself. So, so no, I, I, I don't offer an easy, oh yeah, you can just pull this silver bullet out. I'm not in the business of selling silver bullets. I don't think silver bullets work, um, yeah. you know, that's, that's just a hard situation. And um, you know, if you can persuade someone who has the power uh, to change it, that this person is not ultimately being constructive for the company, then you can do that. But even there, you're taking a chance.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, there's no kind of guarantee you'll bring about change, I guess, in that scenario.
1: No, not really. It kind of comes down to uh, uh, get advice from people that you think are wise and uh, behave strategically. Um, mm-hmm. There is, oh gosh, if you can bring Mary Gentili in, she would be fabulous. Mary right. gentilly uh, spelled G-E-N-T-I-L-E, um, uh, taught ethics at Harvard for a few years and, and developed a framework uh, that is called the Giving Voice to Values Framework, and she wrote a book by that, by that name. And what that framework says regarding ethics is that most ethics classes talk about how to make good ethical decisions. And what she says is, you know what? Most people have an intuitive sense for what's right and wrong. Uh, they just don't think it's practical to stand up for that in the workplace. So the entire course is about how do you stand up for what you know is right? And, and, yeah. and the idea is uh, we tend to oversimplify and say, either I'm gonna knuckle under or I'm gonna blow the whistle and explode my career essentially. And so the giving voice to values approach says, no, 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 there's a third way, which is to be really strategic, to talk with people, get counsel from people that you think are wise, talk through how are you going to behave? Who are the stakeholders that you might be able to persuade? Who could you win over? What arguments might work? uh, Can you script and practice those arguments and then call your shots? Right. So, so that's all about how do you stand up for yourself in a way that is also practical. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that that applies to the bully situation too, is just get practical in that situation.
0: For sure. We'll try to get Mary uh, on the podcast. I love all the guest recommendations you've been giving through the show, by the way. Uh, Fantastic for us (laughs) as well. Um, We might close up now with our final segment. Um, It's called The Open Mic, and it's essentially like a mini TED Talk where I let you talk for two minutes about anything that you feel um, you want to talk about right now. And that could be maybe something that we haven't, gotten around to covering so far um it could be something to promote if you have anything to promote um it could be something parallel to the topic that is not exactly within kind of what we talked about but still relevant did you have something in mind
1: oh let's see Uh, it would have been good if i had scripted something but i didn't um now, since, since this is kind of global, I realize I'm not gonna be bringing people to my firewalk workshops, but I would encourage you guys, even though it seems crazy uh, to seek out firewalk workshops, um, that, that uh, it's really about, um, it's a set of challenges, and, and assuming that you have someone who is technically trained to keep it safe, It ends up creating this extraordinary opportunity to learn about yourself uh, and to learn uh, how to approach the challenges in life with greater courage and to feel more sense of personal choice in the face of fear, which is something that could serve all of us. Um, So yeah, um, look for someone who's certified uh, in some fashion as a firewalk instructor. but, uh, you know, Tony Robbins does it with thousands and thousands of people at a time. Uh, but you can find people who do it with much smaller groups. <laughs> Most of us are, are down in the smaller groups category. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's not magic. It's not hoodoo. And it's not macho. It's, it's about uh, self-mastery. It's about, um, it's about learning to be frightened and not letting that fear control you. Uh, if you step onto the hot coals with a whole lot of fear coursing through your veins, you put your foot down like a claw, and it's and that concentrates the weight, and that's how someone gets burned. If you mm-hmm. if you are able to just unclench and relax, be frightened, clear your head, and choose whether to move forward or not, um, then you end up with a visceral learning process. That teaches you how to take on life challenges more effectively. So, mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll put in a general plug for firewalking as a personal development tool.
0: Love that. Um, I think that's great. We had a plug at the start, we had a plug at the end. <laughs> and I hope um, uh, uh, people watching the website,
1: will. My website is Ithaca Firewalks. If you're in this part of the world, Ithaca, New York, uh, then you can come, or even on the East Coast, you might want to travel for it. But, uh, But of course, if you're overseas, you find someone local.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. maybe, I mean, unless you're on a trip to New York anyway and you want to make a stop by, um, could work, but uh, absolutely. But that brings us to the end of our show. Um, Tony, where can our audience find you?
1: Um, The Firewalker website is IthacaFirewalks.com. The book, uh, The Integrity Dividend, is available at Amazon.us. and, uh, should I say my email address or?
0: If you want people to contact you on your sure. email address, by on
1: me. uh, will get to me.
0: Okay. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, I've had such a great time talking to you and I've learned so much from this episode as well.
1: Thank you. I had a good time. Be well.
0: You've been listening to Self-Improvement Atlas, the personal science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the life management science labs. For more episodes like this from 10 different life management perspectives, search LMSL on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you can get updated on everything we have to offer. We have a wide range of topics readily available for you to check out. If you enjoy this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel, as it helps us grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can also be found on our website at pe.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Aditi Kutti, thanks for tuning in.